Well, it's good to be here, and I'm glad you're here. Today is our second week of our uh, stewardship month, and I hope and pray that uh, you are doing the devotions in the, in your home and reading the Bible and finding out what God says about stewardship. Stewardship is not us raising money. It's about raising Christians. And I want you to get a hold of this now. Today I'm going to talk about something that has nothing to do with your money. Amen. Aren't you glad of that? Huh? Not even going to mention money. Okay? I'll have, uh, I'll have that one who said that who has got something bad about money come and say money when I say money. Okay. Oh, we lost Ray Mans, didn't we? Today I want to talk to you about invest in your life. The, you know, we're talking about this month, investing in the future. Let me ask you, what did you do this week that's going to last forever? Or what did you do this week that is gone? Gone. Never to see it when we get to heaven unless it was bad and you see it at the judgment seat of Christ. Just wonder what you did this week. That influenced someone for eternity. What did you do this week that gave God glory that he'll get throughout eternity? Thank you, Brother Jim. In your Bible, if you would please, chapter 12 of the book of Romans. We're going to talk about investing in the future. And today the theme is invest in your life. We'd like to welcome all of you by way of live stream and the radio, wherever you are. We're so glad you're joining in today. And if you're ever in Joshua, hope you come by and see us. Now, notice if you would, please, let me just introduce the subject this morning by beginning in chapter 11 and verse number 33. If you would take your Bible now, let's see what God has for us today. In chapter 11 of the book of Romans, verse 33, all the depth. Of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Think maybe he might be smarter than us? You think he might be wiser than us? Come on now, get in this. All the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Don't try to figure it out. Just do it. He's smarter than we are. He's wiser than we are. He's deeper than we are, wider we are, higher than we. So why don't we quit trying to do it ourselves and let him lead us and guide us? For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him? And it shall be recompensed unto him again. Tell me who it is that gave to God first. Because if God hadn't given you life, you couldn't give God anything. Which of us gave to God first? 
which of us here today are not debtors to God for everything that we have. Every good and perfect gift cometh from where? From above, the Father who give us without. Now notice, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Thank you for finishing reading that. Amen. That's wonderful. I appreciate your help. Did you get that? For of him, through him, and to him are all things. If you got it, it came from him. Because it wasn't here until he created it. Everything you and I see, enjoy, smell, hear, or taste is of him. We created nothing. He created it all. Everything we have. Your children of him. Your cat of him. Well, I don't know about that. Your dog of everything you got is of him. Can everybody say amen? amen. And through him. And to him. If he created it, it's for his glory. Not only his glory, but for our enjoyment. If we will give him glory for what we have and what we use. And all things to him be glory forever. Amen. Now, have you got that down? Because the next phrase is contingent upon you having that down. I beseech you, therefore. That therefore points back to for of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Therefore, because it's of him and through him and to him. Therefore, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Could I please ask you, why is it reasonable? Because of him, through him, and to him are all things. Therefore, brethren, I beseech thee. By the mercies of God that ye present your bodies, which are of him. Come on, say amen. amen. And through him, amen. And to him. I bet you thought your body was for you. I bet you thought your life was for you. No, it is not for you. It is of him and through him and to him. You got that? You just thought you believed the Bible. Uh, You just thought you were pleasing God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, Paul says. And I beseech you, therefore, because of him, 
through him and to him are all things. So I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, is that right? Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2 now. And be not conformed to this world. Would you say that maybe some folks might have adapted just a little bit of the conformity of the world? Is it possible that maybe... You know somebody that has slipped just a little bit into the world? And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen? Why? That you might prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Isn't that wonderful? Now, Paul is writing to Christians. He's writing to Christians, and he's speaking to Christians, and he calls them brethren. He is saying, you Christians don't follow Israel's example. Israel was God's chosen nation, God's chosen people. And God chose Israel and put them in a very, very tactical area of the world where that all the trade routes in that country and that side of the country are part of the world. They all came through Jerusalem. God set Israel in Jerusalem for a witness to all the world. And Israel was to show the world who God was like. But instead of Israel changing the world, the world changed Israel. And Israel became like those that were around them. They began to take up the customs and habits of the people they were living around. And so Paul is writing to Christians and saying, don't follow Israel. Don't you dare do what they did. Israel was supposed to drive out all the inhabitants so that the inhabitants did not contaminate Israel. They failed to do that. And all of these folks that they failed to run out, they began to worship their gods, marry their daughters. And pretty soon, Israel was just like the world. And Paul is saying, we don't want Christians to be like the world. Don't indulge in their marrying habits. Don't indulge into their worship habits. Don't do it. Come out from among them. Be a separate, saith the Lord. So the Bible is speaking today. The purpose of our lives are to change this world, not for this world to change us. And I think maybe we have lost or are losing the battle. I think. The churches are becoming more like the world than the world becoming like the church. I think the world has moved in and God has moved out. You cannot tell any difference if you watch folks down at Billy Bob's and the folks at church. I don't know how why I'd say that because I don't know how they act in Billy Bob's. 
The text is, we need to be changed. Not like the world, but like God wants us to be changed. And we have to be changed through transformation. And that Greek word is the same word, we get metamorphosis. And that is what happens to a butterfly and a caterpillar. It's something that happens Inside Christianity is not what happens on the outside. Christianity takes place on the inside. And just like many of us, when we were lost and undone, we were like that caterpillar crawling around in the world, eating the dust of the world, doing what the world does. But one day, a great transformation, a mortemephus takes place, and boom, no more caterpillar and a beautiful butterfly. That's the purpose for God. God has to perform that within, but we have to yield to God so that he does that. And so today I'd like to talk to you a little bit out of the text, and I'd like to talk to you about investing our lives. And to invest our lives in God's business, first there must be a presentation. Secondly, there must be a separation. Thirdly, there must be a transformation. And fourthly, there must be a determination. Notice, if you would, in the text, a presentation. God says, I want you to present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God. A presentation. Then there is a separation that is avoiding the conformity of the world. And folks, I'm telling you, this world is slick. It's sly. It's deceitful. And if you're not careful, it don't take very long until we're acting more like them than we are God's people. It's not long till we're thinking like them instead of God's people. It is not long until our bodies are adorned just like the world's people. And may I say to you, You need to be extremely careful because there must be a separation avoiding the contamination of the world. If you're going to watch television, be quick as Billy the Kid on the channel changer. Man, I used to watch a Western channel. That sucker's dirtier than the bottom side of a garbage can. You got to be quick on the trigger on that changing channel, amen. I don't know what you folk looking at me so holy about. You've got the same problem I do. Problem is, you just keep watching it, maybe. There's got to be a separation. There's got to be a transformation. Uh, God, God don't want any caterpillars crawling around down here with bumper stickers on the car saying, I love Jesus. Amen. You, you got that right. Trouble with a lot of parents, they trying to make butterflies out of caterpillars. <laughs> you you got to have a transformation. Something's got to happen in here. Something's got to take place in here. Something's got to change, and it's got to change in here for it to change the outside. Notice also, there must be a demonstration. Folk need to see what Jesus really is. And, and for this, we must stand out from the world. I'm sorry. You know, we don't need any secret CIA agents for God blending in like all the rest of them. You don't go to the bar and drink with them, try to win them to Christ. You don't go to the rock parties, trying to win them to Christ. You don't do that. There's got to be a separation. And you say, now why, preacher? Look in your verse now. Look, look. I found something in the verse. Which is 
your reasonable service. A Christian, there's nothing unreasonable about God telling you to present your body a living sacrifice. There's nothing unreasonable about that. Uh, by the way, isn't that what he did? Then, isn't that what he did? He presented his body a living sacrifice. Not like all the dead sacrifices in the Old Testament. Not like the sacrifices they brought to the tabernacle. They were dead sacrifices. They just stayed dead. But now your sacrifice was a living sacrifice. He died and yet he lives. Why should it be unreasonable for God to ask you who's accepted his son to be different? Why shouldn't he expect us to present ourselves, our lives, our bodies, a living sacrifice? If I'm here, I believe we must stand out from the world. Secondly, I believe we need to reach out for the world. Thirdly, I believe we need to speak out to the world. You see, stewardship is nothing more than about God's will. Notice the verse that you might prove. Stewardship is that you might prove. That you might prove. What is good and acceptable, perfect. What? Somebody tell me. Oh, say what? You mean to tell me stewardship is the will of God? Come on, say something. Either that or pass out. You mean stewardship is not about money? You mean stewardship may encompass money? You mean stewardship is about managing what somebody else has given you. You mean to tell me that stewardship is not something Wolfenbarger whooped up 27 years ago? Stewardship is not something that's foreign and alien to you? No, stewardship is the will of God. Stewardship is that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do we do this? Oh, I found that too. Look at the word present. Isn't that amazing? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present. A Greek technical word, which means giving your offering voluntarily. You know how... We should give our lives. See, money is not the foundation for stewardship. What you do at church is not the foundation for stewardship. That which has no solid foundation will crumble when the winds and the trials and adversities come. But the foundation of stewardship is presenting what God 
has given to you. Notice, if you would please, I am to present my body to God. And I took a bath today, and we got a mirror in the bathroom, and I'm breaking that sucker or painting it one after what I saw this morning. Hmm? I used to do this. I flexed one time like the Hulk. Wasn't that the Hulk that used to do that? I busted my britches and underwear everything. It just fell to the floor. just like that. I said to myself, I can't afford too much of that. <laughs> this morning I got up and took a shower and stood before the mirror and flexed. And the mirror said, are you kidding But you know what? God wants it. Do you know what? God needs it. My body is nothing more than a vehicle that transports me about. What God is saying to you, I need you as a vehicle for me. Would you look at in terms that our bodies are the very tabernacle, the very vehicle by which God exposes this world to the love of Christ? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of God? Which you have of God. You are not your own. You're bought with a price. And then I looked at that mirror and I said, Mirror, you take a hike. God loves this. And God needs this. And God uses this. And I want you to know while you're young, you ought to give it all to God because I'm telling you, God will reward your giving to him. Have you ever noticed that this old body is just a vehicle? Demons want to use your body as a vehicle. Demons, imps, devils of hell with Love nothing more than you being like that man in the book of Luke and John and Matthew sitting in the graveyard, buck naked, running through the streets with chains and fetters hanging about his neck, uh, whipping and scaring and just a wild man. Do you know if God ain't got it, somebody has. If God's not using it, somebody is. And all these bodies are nothing more, nothing less than the vehicle by which God can use for the glory of God. God needs needed a vehicle.
He looked down from, from eternity and he saw Adam, he saw Eve, he saw Jean, he saw Jim, and he saw you needing some vehicle by which to redeem you from your lost and dying way. And so God, God created a vehicle in the form of a little baby. And he marched down eternity and through eternity down the golden staircases and laid the little baby in Bethlehem's manger. And old Simeon looked at it and said, Now I can go because I've seen the vehicle in which God will redeem mankind. Preacher, is my body important? Sure it's important. If God don't have your body. Hey, look. Don't come to church in spirit and stay home watching television with the body. Somebody told me one time, said, well, preacher, I'll be there in spirit. I said, let him bring your tithe with him. (laughs) I beseech you, he said. I beseech you because I took upon a body. I beseech you, therefore, because my son had a body. I beseech you, therefore, everything that you see is of me and through me and for me. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your vehicle living, holy, suitable, that I might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect. Can you help me finish it? Will of God. Wow. Isn't it something, Jim? God won't mind in your body. Stand up a minute. Have you ever seen Laurel and Hardy? <laughs> <laughs> you imagine God wanting this. God uses this. Had 485 on buses the other day and 40 some of them received Christ. All this is, it's just a vehicle. God wants your vehicle. God wants you. To prove to somebody else how good, how acceptable, and how perfect the will of God is. So he wants you to present your body today. You say, preacher, I don't understand that living sacrifice business. I got five minutes. Have you read the book of Genesis chapter 22? One of these days when you get time, read Genesis chapter 22 about Abraham offering Isaac as a sacrifice. See, the only difference, the main difference between the Muslims and the Christians is who Abraham offered on that altar. We Christians believe it was Isaac on the altar. 
And Jesus Christ is a descendant of Isaac. The Muslims believe it was Ishmael he put on the altar. And Ishmael was an illegitimate son of a handmaid. And God said his descendants would be wild men. You haven't seen any wild men on television, have you? You haven't seen any terrorists that are wild, have you? Yes, I know I am. (laughs) But a living sacrifice is Isaac. And Isaac got on the altar. Isaac did not die physically, although he did die. He died to self. When he got on that altar voluntarily. He did not die spiritually. He died. He did not die physically. He died spiritually. He died to himself. He died to his life. He died to what he wanted to do. He died to what was important to him. And he laid on the altar. And Abraham was going to sacrifice him. But he got up. And he is a living sacrifice as a picture to you and I. You're to present your life. You're to die to you. You're to die to your desires. You're to die to what you want to do. You're to die to what's hurting you. You're to die and you are a living sacrifice to God. He wants your body. Secondly, he wants your mind. You need to present your mind to the Lord. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And the world wants to control our minds. You say, well, preacher, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see that. It's because yours is already controlled. And the world wants to control your mind. And how do they do that? They do that through the avenue of everything in the world that you see or hear. And let me tell you something. What you think... Is what you believe. It determines the philosophy of life. What you think about life. It controls the purpose of your life. It controls the priorities of your life. And the world uses everything in the world to do that. For instance. How many schools do you know today. That teaches that Jesus Christ. Is the sinless sacrifice of God. We send our kids to a school. Whose educators is trying to develop and educate and control minds. The world wants to control your mind. They'll do it through education. And are they doing it? We don't need to throw rocks at our president. We trained him. We taught him the institutions we call of higher learning, paid by tax dollars, protected by our armies. And we have opened our doors to socialists, communists, Muslims, and they can speak to our children all they want to. They control what they teach and what they cannot teach. The books are controlled by liberals. What do you think in the world your kids are going to think? 
And we prefer to send our kids to that and let them have their mind instead of allowing God to have their mind. And so we are in a tittle, if you please, education. I wonder if music have anything to do with our mind. I just wonder, do you think maybe the devil is slick enough to think that music can get into our mind? Well, just a little bitty hillbilly. Uh, the beat's good, but you picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. Don't that make you want to shout? <laughs> you got the gold mine, and whatever you, and I got. Boy, that just. You know, that would just make me want to praise God. <laughs> that big eight-wheeler rolling down the track. When your true loving daddy ain't a-coming back, I'm a-moving on. <laughs> Maybe I need to record that. I wonder if a fellow sitting at a bar drinking a beer and listening to old Hank, I wonder if he'd want to move on. How about moving over to the next stool where the woman don't belong to him? He's wanting to move on. Now, I wonder who's controlling your mind. As a man thinketh, devil wants your mind. I wonder why God wants your mind. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of what? Got your Bible, please. Turn back just a couple of pages to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Oh, we need God wants our mind. Stewardship is given to God, that which he's entrusted us with. And the mind is nothing more than the motor of the vehicle which you are living in. Romans, chapter number 8, verse 5. Please look now. Please look, this is God's word. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Wonder why God wants our mind. Wonder why God wants our mind. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritual minded is life and what? See much of that monk Baptist folk? Life, peace. Y'all sit in my office sometimes and see all that life and peace that comes into my office. Husbands and wives, children and parents, kinfolk and kinfolk, mad, arrogant, demanding, 
They're carnal-minded, according to my Bible. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. What God wants this morning, ladies and gentlemen, he don't want your money. God don't want your money. God don't need your money. Because God ain't got your life. He ain't got your money. And too many people is trying to get money instead of trying to tell them God wants you. Just like you are. God wants all of you. He wants your body. He wants your mind. And may I say to you today, biblical stewardship is giving God our minds. God wants your mind. God wants your body. Why? That you might prove to everybody that sees you what is that good acceptable and perfect will of God. You do that by presenting your body on the altar of God. You present your mind. Wouldn't it be something if you just left here today and said, I am not going to entertain any ungodly, worldly, carnal thoughts. Wouldn't that be something? God wants you to present not only your body, your will, your, 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 your mind, but your will. Your will. Could I please tell you this? Your mind controls your body. What controls your mind? Your will controls your mind. That's the difference between making a decision and making a commitment. Decisions are made out of the mind. Commitments and convictions comes from the will. You got that? Now, I've seen people get married in in this place right here. And they just made a decision to get married. They didn't make a commitment. I know a lot of folks that join our church and makes a decision to join our church. And they just think it's the greatest thing that ever fell out of heaven till I preach. And then they say, well, I feel the Lord call me someplace else. <laughs> they, they come here. Let's just say the uh, Abernathy family. They came to our church one Sunday and visited a while. And they noticed that everybody on the platform wears suits and ties. And they said, well, that's too formal for them. So they went down to the cornerstone and stayed a while because of the music and the praise and the worship. They stayed there a while until First Baptist had a series of messages on the second coming of Christ. They felt that they should go there then. And then they fell in love with the music program down at the church on the stump. And they joined the church down on the stump. And the stump started to split. And so so they 
thought they'd moved down to church at the middle of the road. Decisions. 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 God don't need your decision. He wants your commitment. God does not want only your body and your mind. He wants your entire will. It's not money. Money is just part of it. God says, I beseech you. Why? Because of him and through him and to him are, want to finish it? All things. Life is a gift from God to be used for God's glory. I was so glad this morning I could get up. I was so glad that I had a shower. I just looked at a bar of soap and I said, God, thank you that this is dove and not lie soap. (laughs) Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just enjoy yourself. Amen. You get my age, you have to go to the John pretty regular. And you and John become familiar with one another. Boy, I, I said last night, I'm glad that I don't have to go down that old long path that I used to have to go down to. And we were rich. We had a two-seater. <laughs> and if you were fortunate... Somebody else had got the six pages out of the seasonal back catalog. Ain't God good? I said, ain't God good? For of him and through him and to him. Are our bodies, our mind, and our will. And everybody said, By the way, eternal life is God's gift to us. Not just life, but eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have after everlasting life what God is asking us to do he has already done See, Jesus is God's living sacrifice as an example for us that we should follow in his footsteps.